I've heard stories and I've read, you know, rumors and reports that The Godfather was an incredibly difficult film to make. Now that can be said of any film. Making a film and making a TV show is a very lengthy, intense process while still being fulfilling at the same time. Now, obviously, I can't speak from personal experience, although I hope one day I can. But just from the research and all the things that I've read and the stories I've heard from actual actors, actual directors and producers, making a film is very, very tough. And oftentimes, films just don't get made at all. So any film that you do see get made, it's almost a blessing that it even happened because oftentimes scripts will shit on will shit will sit on shelves over the years and sometimes things just kind of fade away. But The Godfather had a very different kind of experience unlike most films. Of course, you know when you're making a movie there's you know many times there's reshoots, there's rewrites, there you know you have to find you have to get permits to actually shoot in certain locations. So it's it's a very challenging process. Like I said, also very fulfilling at the same time. Um, but I've always been kind of curious, you know, what was so different about The Godfather? And uh, I saw a trailer for the show called The Offer about, you know, I want to say a month ago. And it really kind of sparked my interest because I'm very, very particular on what TV shows I watch. I don't know if any of you are the same way. Like when you watch a movie, it's like two to three hours and then you're done. You move on, right? That's it. But a show is like a commitment. It requires a lot of time, especially some of these shows like Game of Thrones that go on for like, you know, five plus seasons. It's a lot to kind of stick through. So I'm very, very strict with my TV shows. Like if if I don't get kind of grabbed and pulled in and immersed within the first one to two episodes, I'm gone. I'm not going to waste my time. That's just me. So there's many TV shows that I just haven't seen. Um, so I'm very, very, you know, careful with which TV shows I decide to devote my time to because I value my time. I'm a very busy man. I have lots of things going on. So if I'm going to dedicate, you know, a portion of my time to watch a TV show, it better be good. And this show, The Offer, is fucking incredible. I love it. And I think, well, it's my favorite thing that's on TV right now, but I think it's the best thing that's on TV. Now, a lot of people would counter and say, well, what about winning time? Winning time I haven't seen yet. I do have Crave because in Canada we don't have HBO Max. So in order to watch anything HBO, any of the shows, the series, you need something called Crave. I don't really know why that is the way it is here in Canada, but that's just the way it is. Um, So at some point I will get around to watching Winning Time. I am a basketball fan, so it's right up my alley. And I know it kind of tells the story about the Showtime Lakers era. And it kind of shows how Dr. Buss, you know, brought that whole group together with Magic Kareem, Abdul-Jabbar, and so on. So it sounds very interesting to me, and at some point I will watch it, but it, I just it's so hard to find time to do that. Um, but the offer, let's get back to that. So yesterday, I watched the first episode, and within 30 minutes, I was hooked. I was hooked. And the reason why is because this show... It's perfect for me. I love films and television shows that show the behind the scenes developments of something. For example, Moneyball. I love Moneyball because it it shows a GM kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together, forming this baseball team, putting together all these misfits that nobody thought 
would do anything. Everybody thought it was a terrible idea, but he was confident and he knew with that formula, it could breed success. So while this isn't about sports, it's very similar. It's bringing the cast together, finding Francis Ford Coppola, bringing in Al Pacino. And at that time, the studio wasn't even confident in Al Pacino as an actor. They, did, they wanted people like Robert Redford and some of these other A-list actors like Steve McQueen at that point of time. But it shows a man, Al Reddy, the producer, getting the proper pieces he needs to make what in, which inevitably became The Godfather, which is regarded as one of the most important films of cinema, right along with Citizen Kane, right along with Ben-Hur, and many other, you know, catalogs of films that have impacted, you know, cinema in the last 100 years. So, a very important film, and a very successful film, but most importantly, a great film, and a great story of a family and they they say that very, very much in the show. This is not about the mafia. This is about a family. They make that very, very clear. And, you know, I'll sort of give you the general synopsis of what the show's about, although I think it's pretty clear at this point. Um, it focuses on the producer, Al Ruddy. These are all real people, by the way. And he wants to, well, he he's the producer for a film called The Godfather. And it shows the process of how this film was made. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, it was very difficult. And the reason why it was difficult was because the producer, Al Ruddy, was being confronted by the studio executive, like the higher-ups, Robert, Ev- Robert Evans, I think is his name, who's played by Matthew Good, who, by the way, is one of my favorite characters in the show. But then he was also being confronted by the mafia and by the Italian community because they were afraid that this film was going to bash on the integrity of Italian culture. So they wanted to make sure that this film wouldn't embarrass, you know, their heritage and their history, right? And right, rightfully so. Totally understand that. So, you know, he had to cater to certain needs from both sides. So there was often a lot of, you know, uh, different sort of points of view that were, you know, uh, conflicting ideas essentially. And it was a lot, it was a lot to, you know, to, to put together, but eventually it became this masterpiece, this, this, you know, this, this film that directors and actors and people of Hollywood have studied for years because there's so much you can learn from it, from a, from a practical perspective to a technical perspective, to a storytelling perspective. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterclass of filmmaking, acting, producing, the whole nine yards. And each episode shows how this film was made from the beginning, from, you know, already being hired as a producer, from him pitching himself to Robert Evans, like, hey man, I want to be a producer for Paramount. I know I'm new. I know I'm vanilla, but I got something good in store here. And I, I love stories like that. I love the behind the scenes stories that show how these cult classics were made, how these sports teams were assembled. So this was right up my alley, and I was hooked within the first 30 minutes. Um, Let's see here. So yeah, let me go through the cast. So we have Miles Teller playing Al Ruddy, who's the lead character in this uh, this story, well, in this uh, uh, series. He's the producer of the film. Then we have Matthew Good, who plays Robert Evans, who's the head of Paramount Pictures. We all know Paramount Pictures. Um, Then we have Dan Fogler, who plays Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Godfather. I think he's a perfect choice from a performance standpoint. He nails it. And I think he just looks like Francis Ford Coppola. If you look up pictures uh, of Francis from back in the 70s and back in the 60s, 
He's got the very, you know, he's he's got a lot really long hair, big beard, wears glasses. Fit right in with the character. Uh, I think Don Fogler, Fogler was a great choice, and he's also in. He's done other films as well. I know he was in the, la- the last Fantastic Beast film, which I didn't particularly like, but he was my favorite character in that film. So uh, then we have Juno Juno Temple, who plays uh, Betty McCart, who's Al's assistant. Um, I think she had a minor role in The Dark Knight Rises. I, th- I know I've seen her in some other stuff. You know, she's a familiar face. Then we have, uh, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this, so forgive me, Nora Arnazeter, who plays Al's girlfriend. Uh, then we have Patrick Gallo, who plays Mario Puzo, who was, the, who was the author of the Godfather book, which I never knew. I always thought that the, the Godfather was an original idea made solely by, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and, uh, you know, everybody else involved. But no, it's actually based off a book. So the book was adapted into a feature film because it was so successful and it gained so much traction and so much uh, you know buzz in uh, in the United States. I'm just trying to look at my notes here. Um, yeah, Mario Puzo. Yeah. So overall, I highly suggest you guys check out the offer. Now you do need Paramount Plus. I I'll be honest with you. I'm just using the free trial and then I'm probably gonna cancel. Because uh, I, I literally only want to watch this show. I don't I don't think there's anything else on Paramount Plus that interests me. I know they have the Halo TV show. I've never been a Halo fan. So that's all I really know in terms of content that's on Paramount Plus. But the offer is incredible. And I would say my two favorite characters or my favorite uh, whatever. Because I don't... Characters is the wrong word because this isn't like a, a fictitious tale. This is a this is a story, a real story about real events. So my favorite roles, I would say, I guess is the right word to use. I don't know. Miles Teller is Al Ruddy. I loved him, uh, and then Matthew Good is Robert Ev- Evans. I've seen Matthew Good in some other stuff before. Like I, I think he was in the Imitation Game, which was a you know the World War II film. Uh, with with Benedict Cumberbatch, he was good in that, but I haven't really seen him very much. But he is so good in this, and his accent that he because I know he's 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 British. He's he has an English accent. His accent in this, he nails it. It's 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 perfect. Um, a couple minor nitpicks here and there, like for example, throughout the show, like we start to see the actors like Al Pacino, and obviously you know Al Pacino's old as fuck, so they're not gonna like de-age him. So they got an actor to play Al Pacino in this. And I think he looked just like him. And overall, I think he did a great job. But the voice, you know, the the dialect, he's trying to obviously sound like Al Pacino. It, it just, I don't know, it sounded kind of funny at times. But other than that, I think the show was fantastic. And it's my favorite thing on TV today. And I highly suggest that you guys check it out. So once we were, you know, delighted and surprised to see Charlie Cox return as Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home... The immediate question everybody was asking was, you know, that was great, but when are we going to see him again now that we know that he's in the MCU? And then furthermore, are we going to see Vincent D'Onofrio return as Kingpin? And then we eventually saw him return in Hawkeye. So we know both of those characters are returning, um, but we've been wondering, when are we going to see Daredevil return? Is it going to be in She-Hulk? Is it going to be in Echo? A lot of people have speculated that Echo was almost just a placeholder title for you know, a Daredevil show. And I always thought that that was complete bullshit. If you're going to make a placeholder title for a show, you wouldn't name it the direct name of a already existing character. That would be like Marvel 
trying to masquerade an upcoming film for, let's say, uh, I don't know, um, let's say, let's take the new Captain America film that's going to come out, for example, with with uh, with Sam as you know the new Captain America. Let's say they give the 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 placeholder title of that film Hulk or something or or uh, or Thor, right? It just it wouldn't make sense. Why would you do that? You would probably create a name that is obviously not the official name but has some reference to what the film could be, right? We we've seen that before. For example, the new Godzilla vs King Kong film that's coming out, the placeholder title for, you know, most websites that, you know, that they're reporting is Origins, right? And that can mean a number of things. But just thinking that, oh, the placeholder title is a title is Echo, which likely could be a, you know, sort of filler title to hide the fact that it's a Daredevil show. I always thought that that made no fucking sense, personally for me. Um, so I always knew that Echo was going to get her own show. Whether or not I think that that's a good choice or not, I mean, that's, that's besides the point. But... I never once thought for a second that that was, oh, that's actually a Daredevil show. No. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was hoping that we were going to actually get a Daredevil movie with, of course, Charlie Cox returning as Matt Murdock. I think he's, I think the the show received incredibly favorable, you know, reception from, from people that watched it. So people loved it. People relished with it. And I think people would have gathered around immediately bought tickets immediately to see a Daredevil film. It's not like they haven't done that before either. There was a Daredevil film, of course, back in the day with Ben Affleck, but I think this would be leaps and valleys ahead of that film. So it's kind of unfortunate that we're not getting a Daredevil film. Uh, A little bit bittersweet, of course. You know, I'm just happy that we're going to get a show in general because I love Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock. Um, I haven't even seen the full Daredevil Netflix series. I've only watched the first season, but... I'm already kind of sold. Uh, as I kind of mentioned with the with the Godfather, it's very hard for me not only to find time to fully watch a show, but also sticking around with the show. So Daredevil for me is a, is a good show on Netflix. It didn't kind of keep me hooked enough to watch all three seasons, but Matt Murdock, just that character alone, I'm hooked on him. I want more. I want more of Matt Murdock and more specifically, I want more. Uh, I want to see Charlie Cox return as that character. So now we know that he's getting his own series, and this report was written by Joe Otterson from Variety, and they reported yesterday, the headline stated that Daredevil Disney Plus series in the works, with Matt Corman and Chris Ord set to write. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not too familiar with their work, um, so, but I mean, that doesn't really matter. I'm if, if Kevin Feige's confident in them to be the writers, I trust Kevin Feige's decision. And uh, yeah, it's official. He's getting his own series. Now, that kind of begs the question. How are they going to deal with some of the secondary characters that we saw in the Netflix show? I have their names here. Let me pull them up here. So, will characters like Foggy return, played by Eldon Henson? Will characters like Kevin Pay- or Karen Page return, who was played by Deborah Ann Wall? Uh, Claire Temple, who was played by... Oh, I guess I, uh, I think it was Rosario Dawson. I think that was the, uh, I think that was the actress that played Claire, Claire Temple. So, and then of course we know that Kingpin is coming back. So we, we know that for a fact, uh, he, although he may not return in the series, but I, I think it's, it's pretty likely. Um, so will they return or will they recast them? Right. 
Matt or Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox has been asked in interviews, you know, what is the status of your character? Is this a new version? Is this the same version from the Netflix series? And he, I think he kind of, he was very, very vague about it. Of course, that's, that's what all these actors, when it comes to, you know, questions about their upcoming Marvel movies and whatnot, they're always very vague because I don't want to reveal any spoilers. So that I understand, but he said something like, this is a, uh, a reimagined version of the character. So very hard to understand, not really a definitive answer. You know, what are my thoughts on it? I think we probably won't see those characters return. I would like to, because I really liked Foggy, Foggy Nelson, the actor who played him, Eldon, Eldon Henson. Is that his name? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Eldon Henson. I liked him, and I like uh, the actress who played Karen Page as well. So, you know, I hope they return, but will they? Probably not. Um, there's always been a debate, you know, is the Netflix Daredevil show canon to the MCU? Here, here's how I put it. Like, in the show, they don't directly ever reference Iron Man, Captain America, but they reference superheroes, and they, re they reference the Battle of New York. So for me, that's enough to canonize the show. But then if you look at the MCU, there's never, there never has been a reference, you know, or appearance aside from Spider-Man No Way Home. There hasn't been any reference, any appearances of not only Daredevil, but any of the other Daredevil characters. So it's, it's kind of tough. It's like 50-50, I guess. So it's, it's like kind of canon, but kind of not at the same time. So... Uh, but like I said, I trust Kevin Feige. I know he's probably, from a narrative perspective, I think it's all going to make sense once the show comes out. And I think all our questions will be answered. How will the tone of this show be compared to the Netflix um, Daredevil series? I think it's going to be incredibly different because that Netflix version of this of this character and of the show was very dark. And, uh, you know, a lot of swearing, very detailed violence. You know, one scene that sticks out to me the most was uh, there was this character, I can't remember his name, and he was basically saying, I, I think he gave up the name of like a mob boss, or, or I think he gave up the name Wilson Fisk to, uh, to Matt Murdock, and then he basically committed suicide right on the spot. He's like, nobody ever says his name. And then he basically like stabbed his own head on this like spear and you see the spear go right through his head if anybody's seen the show they know they'll know what i'm talking about but i don't think we're gonna see that we could uh because we do know that you know alan horn and and, and bob Iger when they announced that deadpool is coming to the mcu they announced that they are going to keep that film rated r so who knows maybe they'll kind of do work around the same way with Daredevil, but I don't think that that's gonna happen. But let me know what you guys think about that. Are you excited to see him getting his own TV series, or are you like me and you would have liked to see him get his own film? Let me know in the comments below. So I think it was yesterday or the day before, Marvel decided to drop a She Hulk trailer out of nowhere. Now we had seen like a little 30 second clip of She Hulk or a little segment of She-Hulk, like, I don't know, two, three months ago, but it was, it was nothing. It was like, uh, you could see uh, the main character, I, I forget her name, but it's like the niece of Bruce Banner. You could see her in this like chamber and Bruce Banner was like kind of discussing, you know, talking to her about her abilities and whatnot. Um, but they dropped the trailer and I did not know what to expect. Now I, I've been hearing some things, you know, you know, 
in the rumor mill, what have you, that this show was maybe going to get delayed because, you know, changes needed to happen because apparently it wasn't, uh, I don't know, I, I wasn't hearing positive things about the show. But I will say I was pretty impressed with this trailer. Um, very different, not what I expected, leaning a little bit more to the to the comedy side of the MCU, which for some people that could be an issue because Marvel has a very kind of specific form of comedy that they have. It is al- it's always worked for me. It's never it's never you know fell flat footed for me. But for some people it does, and I totally respect that. So if you're not a fan of that Marvel humor, that Marvel comedy this show may not be for you, at least from what they're showing in the trailer. Now, what I'm trying to think about is who, like, what's going to be the conflict in the show? Now, we do know that Abomination, Tim Roth, is going to be returning, but I don't know why. I'm kind of getting the impression that he might kind of act like a Baron Zemo character from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, yes, he's a villain, but he almost has a role to play, that inevitably assists our heroes in their journey. So I'm not too sure if he's going to be the main villain. So, you know, this trailer didn't really reveal anything in that regard. Um, but I, I think it looks charming. I think it looks funny. Uh, it, it just shows the life of a young lawyer. You know, she, uh, she's got these abilities. She can turn green, obviously like the Hulk and, uh, She's kind of living this double life, right? She has these abilities, but she also wants to date. She also wants to, you know, be social. And uh, it looks kind of funny, and it look it looks like fun. It doesn't look like anything groundbreaking, but I enjoy the trailer. Certainly not what I was expecting. And I think the funniest moment of the trailer was the end when you see her like swiping through. It wasn't exactly Tinder, but it's supposed to it's supposed to be Tinder. And then she goes on a date with that with that guy, and. Uh, She's like, let's get those fries to go. And she's literally carrying this dude. That was fucking hilarious. That had me dying of laughter. Um, but yeah, it, it looks good. Let me know what you guys think. Are you excited for this? Um, you know, let me know. Did the trailer work for you? Did it look too silly? Let me know. I will say though, this probably might hurt my podcast because I should be covering each episode each week, but I'll be honest with you, I'm done watching the Marvel episodes each week. I think it has nothing to do with the content itself. I've enjoyed all the Marvel shows, some more than others. But I don't know, I just think with it, it, it's more specifically about the finale. I, I think if I would if I would have watched the finale like consecutively after watching episodes one, two, three, four, and five, I think it might might have changed how it would have felt because on a week-to-week basis, you as a viewer, you build up anticipation for what's going to happen next. And with these finales for these Marvel shows, I'm not going to lie, aside from Loki, they've all kind of been disappointing to 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 a certain degree. Not terrible, but a little bit disappointing if you look at the other previous episodes and what those episodes built up and the quality of those episodes. And that I really, really experienced that with Moon Knight specifically. In fact, I think Moon Knight... Hmm. I think Moon Knight probably had the most disappointing finale out of, you know, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. Falcon and Winter Soldier... Oh, I forgot Hawkeye as well. Uh, I'm just thinking here. 
Okay, I would say it's the second worst finale. I think Hawkeye had the weakest finale, in my opinion. Um, but w- w- with Falcon and Winter Soldier, not to get off track here, that show actually had a different kind of trajectory for me. I thought the first three episodes were kind of just cookie-cutter MCU, kind of boring. And then it really kind of caught my interest from episodes four to six. And the finale, I really liked the finale. I thought the finale was great. We we saw Falcon... Uh, go from being Falcon to the newest Captain America getting his very comic book accurate suit. And then we do know that he is getting his own film, which I'm very excited about. Um, but back to She-Hulk, you know, I am going to, you know, depending on how many episodes this is, I imagine it's probably going to be six, just like the other Marvel shows. I'll just wait the month and a half and I'll watch it all in one day, binge it, and then do a review on it on the podcast here. So that's going to be my my approach moving forward with these Disney Plus shows. I just find I, I build too much anticipation watching them each week. Might sound a little bit pessimistic, but and it just you know besides that, I just find it's it's more fun you know to just watch a show in its entirety. You know, find a day that you're not too busy and just you know enjoy yourself and and, and just binge the whole fucking thing. So that's probably what I'm going to do with She Hulk. But um yeah, the next topic that I kind of want to segue into about the MCU. The the title is topic Are People Overreacting to the Overall Direction of the MCU? And I think the answer to that question is yes. People are certainly overreacting. And I've I've been seeing a lot of discussion about this topic. About phase four specifically, like, oh nothing is connected there's all these different storylines. When is everything going to come together? And I think people right now are just, they just need to be patient. We need to let everything unfold. We are looking, we we are looking at the MCU and the current state that it's in right now from the outside looking in, right? Kevin Feige just discussed how he's on this creative retreat and they're mapping out the next 10 years of Marvel. So we're looking at an unfinished product. Now, I don't mean each film is an unfinished product. I mean that where the MCU is heading right now is an unfinished product. Because yes, in fact, for the people saying these films aren't connected, they are connected. It's not even like, you know, people will have opinions of a movie and that's subjective to them. But when people are saying that these films are not connected, well, that's just simply not true you must have watched a different film than I did because not only are there references to other Avengers, the, uh, take, um, take Loki, for example, take Dr. Strange, take Spider-Man No Way Home, take WandaVision, right? Those are just a few examples. All these films are dealing with the multiverse. And then if you look at the other films, uh, Eternals, for example, that film has a very different plot. It doesn't necessarily deal with the multiverse, they reference the Avengers. They they reference other characters. So that right there, that connects it, right? That connects it to the MCU. And then I think from a narrative perspective, from a storytelling perspective, I think that we just haven't seen everything play out. This is Marvel we're talking about. This is Kevin Feige. I think as a, if you're a real fan, if you've kept up with this franchise and this, you know, cinematic universe, I think that people are hitting the panic button too early. We need to let things play out. We need to let things unfold. And then I think once once we give it like another couple of years and we get that next Avengers film, whether it's Secret Wars, I think we're finally all going to sit back and be like, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. But right now people are just like, 
they're doing these weak char- these weird characters like Shang Chi and Eternals and like for me, I've I've loved what Phase Four has done. They've switched the gears up. They've been telling different kinds of stories. You know, introducing brand new characters. You know, not all films in Phase Four have been great. Like Black Widow to me was just kind of subpar. You know, very inconsequential film. If they weren't introducing Yelena Belova, that film basically would serve no purpose other than telling a story that happened back in the Infinity Saga. And we're trying to move forward from that. So, other than Black Widow, I don't know. I've really enjoyed what Phase 4 has done. They've been experimenting. They've been throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks. And in my opinion, pretty much everything is stuck for me. So, I think that we need to just kind of, you know, pull the brakes, bump bump the whatever, hit the brakes a little bit. I think that's the proper expression. And just give Marvel time. Because if you've been around here for a while, if you've been an MCU fan... We know that Kevin Feige is probably the best producer working right now in Hollywood. And this guy has his pulse, has his finger in every project. That sounded kind of weird. But he's involved. Let's just say he's involved in every project and every decision that's made with these Marvel films. So there was nothing that that isn't calculated and that didn't go through Kevin Feige. Right? I trust him. He hasn't given us a reason to think otherwise. And I think everything will kind of just unfold and I think everything will just make sense. But we have to give it time. We have to let these movies come out. We have to let these shows come out. We have to let these stories be told, digest them. And then we can look at it from afar and say, okay, that kind of makes sense. That makes sense. It's all connected. And I think people are just kind of, you know, just hitting the panic button too early. They're like, what the fuck is Marvel doing? Marvel's on a downtrend. Like, I think that's all horseshit. I think that's utter bullshit. Now, if you simply just don't think that Phase 4 films have been good, or you just haven't enjoyed what they've done with the with the TV shows, I can't argue with that. That's your opinion. I'm never going to try and convince somebody otherwise to like something that they don't. I'm never going to do that. So if you just sim- it's, if it's just a matter of taste, and you didn't like, if you, if you don't like what Marvel's doing from a storytelling perspective, no problem respectfully no worries that's your opinion right but if you're trying to say that things aren't connected things don't make sense they may not make sense right now but you're looking at an unfinished product we need to let things play out but that's all i'll say about that specifically but let me know what you guys think you know just before i continue in fact i'm confident in saying that I think with the next 10 years of Marvel that we're probably getting, and it seems like we're going to continue going with the multiverse. For me, that sounds so fucking exciting. And I'm going to say here right now, I think the next 10 years of Marvel are going to be better than the last 10 years of Marvel. Yes, I'm talking about Endgame. I'm talking about Iron Man, everyone. I think where we're going with the MCU, you know, from a cinematic universe perspective, I think it's going to be more compelling and more interesting than the last 10 years of Marvel. But let me know what you guys think. If you disagree with me, that's totally fine. Let me know why in the comments and let's have a friendly conversation. The final topic of today, Godzilla vs. King Kong 2 is going to be shooting this summer. Wow. I loved Godzilla vs. King Kong that came out back in last year. Last year. It came out last year and I really, really enjoyed the film. Anybody that's friends with me 
uh, specifically one friend, I'm not going to name his name, but if you're watching, you know who you are. They know that I love Godzilla. I grew up with that character. Uh, when I was a kid, me and my dad would binge all the old like 1960s, 70s Godzilla films, Godzilla vs. Uh, Mothra, King Ghidorah, you know, Godzilla vs. King Kong, the old, the first one that came out in like 1954, I think. So I grew up with this kaiju character and, uh, you know, my interest has kind of sloped during the years. I've, I've, you know, I've been getting older, but I still like the character and I've enjoyed uh, the, the Godzilla films that have come out within the last, you know, 10 years. Um, I really, really enjoyed the 2014 Godzilla. I think that's still probably my favorite out of this, you know, monster verse uh, you know, cinematic universe that they're building. I really enjoyed Godzilla King of the Monsters. It was great to see King Ghidorah, Rodan, Mothra, and uh, and I loved Godzilla vs. King Kong. I thought it was it was it was it delivered. It was fantastic. It gave fans like me everything we've been waiting to see for like a hundred fucking years. But I didn't know if there was going to be a second one, especially with where the film ended. It seemed like Godzilla and King Kong kind of found this like respect for each other and. They sort of went their separate ways, like, I'll stay in my lane, you stay in your lane. and But it seems like we're getting a sequel, and in fact, they're shooting it this summer, very, very soon. And uh, this report was written by Justin Kroll from Deadline, and they recently reported that Godzilla vs. King Kong 2, by the way, that's not the, I don't, I don't know if that's the official title, but Godzilla vs. King Kong 2, Dan Stevens reunites with the guest, quotation, that's another project, Sorry, let me rephrase. Dan Stevens reunites with the guest director, Adam Wingard, on Legendary Sequel. So Adam Wingard, for those of you who did not know, directed the last Godzilla vs. King Kong. Uh, and, you know, the film made a bunch of money. So, of course, he's returning. No problems there. Uh, Dan Stevens is an actor that I'm, you know, briefly familiar with. I think he was in this Netflix horror film that I watched. I think it was called... Uh, I can't remember the the title. I think it was called like Apocalypse or something. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I, he, I, he seems like a great actor and I'm sure he's going to kill it in this role. But that's pretty exciting. Um, there's also been rumors and reports that as for the plot of this film, it could be sort of like an, an adaptation of Son of King Kong. So it seems like from, the, you know, nothing official obviously, but it seems like from the rumors and the reports that this film is gonna lean more towards King Kong than it will Godzilla, but I mean, if Godzilla's in the title, he's obviously still gonna be a significant character, and I'm sure he's probably gonna have a significant role in this film. Uh, there's also been reports that this could be an origin of, you know, the history of the rivalry between the species of Godzilla and King Kong's ancestors. It could show how that rivalry started, because if you watch the um, Skull Island King Kong film, we see in the post credit scene that since the caveman times, Godzilla, King Kong, they've hated each other. They've had this rivalry, so maybe they could explore that, and I think that could be pretty interesting as well, but the predominant rumor I'm hearing is that King Kong is going to have a son in this film, and maybe we could explore Hollow Earth more. For those of you who've seen the first film, Hollow Earth is where King Kong kind of finds himself at the end of the film, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories they could tell in that area, so I'm very, very excited, I love the first film, and I think it was a hit, I, I haven't haven't heard anybody say one bad thing about it, it's just popcorn fun, you know, it's just, it's just those kind of movies you don't expect to see an Oscar winning performance, 
You just go in looking to be entertained. And if it gets that done, if it does that for you, well, then the movie succeeds. And uh, and I, I think it worked for a lot of people. And I'm excited to see what they do with the sequel. But anyways, guys, let me know what you think. Are you excited for a Godzilla vs. King Kong sequel? There's also other you know reports that Godzilla is also going to get his own uh, series coming soon. So they're really trying to flesh out and build this you know, cinematic universe even more beyond what they've already done with both of those characters. So let me know, are you guys excited or do you not give a shit at all? Let me know in the comment section below. That's going to wrap up episode 27 of Unbashful. Thank you all for listening. If you stuck around this long and watching, make sure you subscribe, like the video, share it, spread the word of Unbashful. And uh, thank you all for watching and I hope you have a great day and I will see you on episode 28.